In Barcelona, Spain, in the summer of 1930, the SS Conteverde was taking up passengers. With the Romanian and French national teams already on board, this would be the last stop before the 15-day journey across the ocean. Perhaps the most valuable cargo was already on board. The trophy for the tournament they were all en route to, the inaugural FIFA World Cup. But these newest passengers, the members of the Belgian national team, would not have the luck of either the French or Romanian teams, who each came away with match wins even if they didn't have the most productive tournaments. The Belgians wouldn't get a win or even a goal in their first World Cup. The travel to the next two World Cups, each hosted in Europe, would be much shorter, but the result, not much better. A loss to their eastern neighbor Germany in 1934, and a loss to their southern neighbor France in 1938. They wouldn't get their first World Cup victory until 1970, a win against hapless El Salvador in an otherwise indifferent group stage exit. Perhaps it wasn't their fault, though, as Belgium was known as the cockpit of Europe due to so many battles being fought on their soil, especially during World War I and World War II. It's hard to feel the football team under those conditions. But now, in more peaceful times, Belgium has risen to be among Europe's top sides. They've qualified for eight out of the last ten World Cups, including a fourth-place finish in 1986 and a quarterfinals appearance four years ago in Brazil. And this year, they'll enter the World Cup with their highest-ever rating and world ranking. 88 years ago, the Belgians and the World Cup trophy wrote history as passengers on their way to the first-ever World Cup tournament. This year, will the Belgians create history and write their name on that trophy? This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Belgium. Joe Picks a World Cup Team. The state's no football, but not football it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for him. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, what's up, man? Not much, Joe. Okay, two two quick points of personal privilege. One, are are we allowed to call it a doubleheader if it's separated by three days? Uh, no. Not, At what our, point? Our fans are irate, Joe. Our, we, our f- fan singular is irate. I think fan. I think the silent minority and the vocal majority. Or whatever, vice versa. They're all upset with us. We we made promises, Joe. I mean, the key to this podcast is to over or wait under promise and over deliver. But we way over promised and way under delivered. I think that I think that the key to our podcast has been under promising and under delivering. <laughs> That's our formula. It's, it's working it's, really well. We got okay. too cocky, Joe. Point of personal privilege number two: we have a live studio audience today. Very exciting, Joe. Is it? Uh, do you have one of those uh, laugh things that you can trigger on to, to get the? Uh... 
I've told Zev, our audience member, to laugh at everything that I say. <laughs> See? Yeah. That's good. That was, that was good. a great job. Now, Joe, I'm very excited to be doing this, but I will say one thing right off the bat. I have what's known as a, um, a headache. Now, I, I honestly have not had one of these in like 10 years so much that I actually called the doctor and was like, I have a headache. What, what should I do? Is this serious? <laughs> and the doctor was like, whatever you do, don't. They're like, she's don't like, podcast. she's like, don't look at screens. And oh, she's really? like, just relax. Like, you know, you don't want to be in like bright areas. Just be in like dark areas. Don't be looking at screens. And Joe, today I have spent two hours watching the Champions League final, three hours watching the basketball game. And now I'm staring at my screen, reading a very bright pages podcast studio. and pages of notes. So this is a disaster. Oh my, my head God. hurts. My body hurts. Everything hurts. I understand about- now why my younger sister never wants to go out or do anything because this stinks. These headaches Joe. are the worst. Hey, how about that Gareth Bale goal today, huh? I mean, the Champions League final was it was the weirdest thing because it was like the worst goals you'll ever see, and then like the best goal you'll ever see. It was it <laughs> no. was. And and no goals in the first half, which I don't think anyone predicted that with these two yeah. teams. Oh, and poor Mo, Mo Salah. Is he going to be okay? Ugh, I don't think so, Joe. It's I mean, he dislocated a shoulder. I, I mean, I just Ugh. don't... I think he's out for the World Cup, which I mean, do is... Do you really need a shoulder to play soccer? I like, think... Of all of all the joints and, like, what do you call a shoulder? Is it a joint? Yeah, obviously. Okay. I don't know. Uh, of all the joints, well, the shoulder what else seems like be, the Joe? least important. Like, there's rotator stuff. Like, what, like a joint is just a ball, a ball socket. Thank you, studio audience. A ball and socket joint. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't take his sides, Ev. <laughs> uh, of all the ball and socket joints on the body, the shoulder seems like the least important one for soccer playing. I think that would be true, and that's what I was thinking, as it was like, hey, just get elbows. back in there. Your legs are fine. Yeah. But the problem is, as he's running around, people could just bump into his, like, dislocated shoulder, <laughs> and, like, he's just, by the end of the game, he's just going to be, like, crumpled up in pain. There's just, I, it's, it's We haven't much. talked about Egypt yet, but this is going to really hurt their chances. It's not, it, like, we were saving Egypt, and, in fact, they're, the them and Germany are our last episode, but, man, they're... I, I keep watching the betting lines to see if it's going to adjust, but well, it, it's going to hurt I mean, the their one chances. thing that, that might not change the betting lines all that much is that it's not like anyone realistically thought that Egypt had a chance, even with Mo Salah. Yeah, and I was looking at our, our big top goal scorer bet. Oh, he, well, that he was, is going to be interesting. Well, he was 50-1 to 1 anyways. So, because, I mean, he because, was, he, because they know that, that he's going to have three games at most. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So, it, you know. Well, I guess and, three and, games at least. And at most, but yeah. Three games at least and at most, but he's also in a group where they're against two teams that are just significantly better than them, so. Yeah. So, Dan. But they do would play Saudi Arabia, though, so if he scored like eight goals in that game. (laughs) Which is not impossible. Dan, what are we drinking? Uh, So, you are drinking, Joe. I was so excited. I even purchased a a beer for this, but I I will not be drinking it due to my uh, headache condition. But uh, this is what Superfan Sean says. It has to be a Belgian beer. They come in interesting bottles and tend to have their own glasses when ordered in a pub. My French friend dismisses her Belgian neighbors as classless people who eat chips and drink beer. Sounds okay to me. 
I've been to Belgium a couple times and it's pretty great, except Brussels is ugly and sucks. Stick to Bruges, Antwerp, and Ghent. Bruges has a beer museum, which is a great way to kick off a drinking session. There are plenty of beers to choose from. I'd recommend Duvel, which translates to the devil, and will knock your head off at 8.5% strength. Failing that, choose your own adventure. You won't go wrong with Belgian beer. See, so I went to the grocery store this morning, and I bought a Hogarden. Ooh. Good Belgian beer. Yeah, definitely. And, but Because they didn't have any Duvel, which I've had many Belgian beers before. So, this, so I, I know all these beers well. Uh, and then Zev and I went to the liquor store specifically to buy the bison grass vodka. Ah, uh, yeah, it's Brauka. Well, we're down there. Let's get some Duvel. So I'm drinking Duvel. We have the, the Ho Garden in the fridge. We've been drinking Zabrauka all night. Oh, man. Uh, Zev, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give the Zabrauka? I'm giving it 8.9. 8.9. 8.9. Wow. Wow. We really I mean, only in give, a vacuum, though, really I don't know if that's good or bad. We really give on this podcast. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't have any other Zev rankings to compare that to. Because... <laughs> you know when they do those wine rankings it's like every single wine bottle i see is between like 91 and 93 points like is that good is that bad like oh, yeah. every no, wine if you get a 91 be... on that wine scale it's total swill absolutely yeah. i know the bottle i bought was 91 points it had a little thing and it was eight dollars like <laughs> exactly so the 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 zabrauka though just to give a little plug on the podcast for zabrauka I drank it at your house. I assumed that this was a 60 or 70 bottle, dollar bottle uh, vodka. Now, liquor is expensive in Washington State, and it was $28. Yeah. No, it's, so a, it's a is mid, amazing mid to and high very tier. affordable. It's definitely not at the, the top tier. No. But, I mean, in my heart, it's in the top tier. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, though. If uh, the president of Poland uh, looks at Trump the wrong way, the tariffs that he puts on the country could really oh double God, the price. It's going to become an $80 bottle. Yeah. So get it while you can. Stock up. I think Zabrowka, though, like, like needs a better um, – if it's going to take off, we need to help them with their marketing. Like they need like a better like, like club name. Like you know, no one's like – I can't imagine a rap song that's like popping Zabrowka in the club. Like Zabrowka and soda doesn't sound good. Yeah. And I, I mean, to be honest, I also think they sort of missed with the whole bison grass thing. Like, it doesn't, if you see something that's grass flavored, your first thought isn't like, that's going to be the most delicious vodka ever. Like, Correct. watermelon flavor, ooh, that sounds good, you know, but grass flavor? Even even if you wanted to have grass flavor, I think bison grass, like, bisons aren't, like, Bisons aren't a type of animal that like wet your thirst palate, right? Like yeah. if they called it like like water grass or bluegrass or something, like you'd be like, oh, okay, no, interesting. Like sweet like, grass, you know? Oh, sweet grass vodka. I mean, I'd be into that. But the bison grass, it like you think like, I mean, we asked on the podcast, does it taste like bison? Does like do the bison shit on this grass? Like you know, a lot of a lot of questions with that. God, you're making me want some, but Joe, you drank all of mine. <laughs> I don't know. It's so good. It, it must be so good for headaches, too. Ugh. So I'm drinking a Duvel. I have my glass of Zabrowka poured for when I finish this Duvel. Uh, and uh, we also bought 
some sake, which I assume we'll drink in a few episodes, and we brought some soju. In fact, we found the exact soju that Tom sent me all the way from South Korea at the Bevmo down the street. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Did it have any English on it? Same label it's and everything? It's all in English. We now know everything that that bottle oh, said. Oh, wow. It is That's not amazing. a cleaning solution, but they yeah. do use the word fresh quite a bit. Well, I did get a text from Pam that actually showed uh, a spray bottle that was her parents that was that was like for cleaning, and she just it was just full of soju. So apparently, it can be used for cleaning. Oh, that's good. I'm going to spray some on my counters later. See, see how it does. Boom! It'll clean a, clean that grease right off, Joe. Now, before we get into the mailbag. We've got a, a little bit, you know, it's not a full mailbag, but we did get some great, I mean, we did the episode on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it was. We got mailbag that day. I mean, our top-notch listeners here, but of course, we took four days to do it, so their mailbag's a little old. But we've got some great answers to, to what we had said on that podcast. It was amazing. But Joe, I first just have to say, I, should, I sent you a graph earlier today. Our listenership numbers are just growing. I'm getting a little uncomfortable with this, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these, all these bandwagon fans, or as I like to call them, fjord jumpers. <laughs> all these fjord jumpers. Right, slow down, slow down. What? <laughs> explain to me why fjord jumper is, makes sense in the context of somebody who is now following our podcast now, but weren't early on well because someone who's a lifelong fan of the of the joe pick series knows of the epic fjord lake debates that we've had okay correct sure a brand new fan that's just jumping on the bandwagon has no idea what i'm referencing when i say fjord jumpers therefore they're fjord jumpers they're just jumping on the fucking popular ass fjord that is the 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 runaway success of the joe picks pod and, no. you know, they're, they're, I'm not going to say that they're unwelcome here, but they're not welcome. They're not unwelcome, <laughs> but we're not going to welcome them either. Yeah, well, the problem is they're, they're going to outnumber, they're going to be more Fjord jumpers than there are going to be fans emeritus and super fans. I mean, there probably are already. And my concern, Joe, and this is serious, I'm worried that obviously once the World Cup happens, we're probably going to stop podcasting because A podcasting is terrible and takes up tons of time and b that we'll be done i mean this is just like our season one we do the podcast we pick that's it there's a start a middle and a finish yep and i'm concerned that once we finish we're gonna have so many fjord jumpers and they're going to be craving content so much that they're actually going to create a religion based around this podcast where we will be the deities in the middle of it and i'm concerned joe you know, I'm glad you said that because that's been a long, long time concern of mine as well with this podcast. But I think that actually, I think that, that, that the fact that this season will end and then we'll have, you know, whatever's out there, like 60 hours worth of content, that will become like the Bible. And, you know, they will parse every uh, word. Course. They'll be, you know, you know, they'll become factions that, that interpret, you know, some comment that I made back in the... Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers episode, some will say, no, no, no. When he was making fun of that bridge in Tampa Bay, Joe meant that he hate bridges. Therefore, all fjord jumpers must hate bridges. And there'll be other factions say, no, no, no. He was being sarcastic. He loves bridges. And there'll be debates and holy wars and jihads and there'll be extremist groups. 
Um, all the while, we're just silent. And they wait on with bated breath for for more word to be handed down. For our resurrection. But it doesn't come. It's not going to happen. It doesn't come. And the legend only grows about the day when, when we will make our return. Yeah. And, I mean... It's almost certain to happen. I mean, the fans emeritus, I guess, will sort of be apostles, so maybe they are, they'll yes, help. Yes, they're the apostles. So they'll help spread the word, and you know, they will probably you know, get their own followings. They may even have sub-podcasts about their experience as fan emeriti. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but you know, our, our, our silence is really key to that whole operation working. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say, when this inevitable religion comes up, I am not to be drawn— so I am I am in the my outline my silhouette is drawn in the Joe Picks uh, icon for our podcast, but that's it. I cannot be drawn oh, that's in any other way or form. And that's canon. That's doctrine now. That's doctrine. That's part of the rules. Interestingly, for those strict devout followers of Joe Picks Podism, I must be drawn. Wow! At least daily. I mean, I. I was uh, working on the, be, the Cup of Joe earlier today. It could be demeaning drawings, too. That's fine. You're drawn on drawn. the Cup of Joe. And <laughs> exactly. uh, I actually sort of broke the Cup of Joe as I was finalizing it. So I, I have to fix it, which is a problem. But it should be repairable. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm staring down the image of you on that Cup of Joe, you know, all the time. I spent a long time working on it today. Getting it. You know, Tony, he comes to town in, in but a couple days. You know, I have to present him the trophy. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, we'll have to think of more doctrines uh, for Joe Pick's potism as, as this goes on. But I think I think it's going to catch on like wildfire. Yeah. I mean, like this podcast is. And, and look, let's just get into the mailbag, Joe. I'm ready this for one it. is from a while ago. So I, I apologize to Superfan Bob. I just wanted to wait for the right time. The right time would have been the Japan episode because this is about the AFC. But I just couldn't hold it any longer. Uh, I just got to get it out there. This about the AFC South or the AFC West? This is about the AFC South, definitely. Or the, the Southeast, even. Okay, okay, Hi. okay. I'm an Australian who has just listened to your Australian episode and loved it. Here is some feedback to answer some of your questions you asked during. Now, one thing that happens a lot in Joe Picks Podism, we ask a lot of questions. You know, we don't have all the answers. It's a religion that encourages questioning, absolutely. Absolutely. Questioning and picking. <laughs> yes. One, one must always be picking. <laughs> always be picking. <laughs> the 2014 World Cup was not seen okay. as a failure, despite the okay. results, because in the qualification period leading in, our coach, Holger Osik, was still using most of the team from our golden period of 2006 that made it past the group stages, and those players were well past their best and were no longer competitive, and our team's average age was in the 30s. Although we still managed to qualify, the team were putting in awful performances. Now, I would note, another part of Joe Pick's podism. We love long run-on sentences. We it's do. Great. We do. We do. If, if we had a physical Bible, it would be one, one, one long run. We technically don't have... A period in our entire 60 hours of podcasting. Well, I'll tell you, in my current headache state, I am just like seeking periods. So my mind can like take a <laughs> when slight, can I stop reading this slight, take a slight rest. <laughs> and that sentence was very long. Okay. Back-to-back 6-0 losses and friendlies at the end of 2013, plus the reluctance to blood new players, cost Holger his job. The new coach, Andre Postacoglu, came in and got rid of the majority of the team and started from scratch 
With only six months preparation, he was building for the future, and the World Cup had no expectations since uh, Australia were in the same group with the Spain and the Netherlands, who were two teams in the final of the last World Cup. Wow, that's a tough draw. But after leading the Netherlands for the majority of the game, we came away with a credible 3-2 loss. Another thing, in Joe Pixpodism, there are moral victories. Absolutely. Absolutely. My, my, my whole work life is based around credible losses. <laughs> it's really, really 90% of what I'm striving for. Ah. It's good, Joe. Now, I'm, I, I can be part of your peanut gallery, too, except for on microphone. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with such inexperienced young side, the 3-1 to loss to Chile flattered the South Americans as Australia, after a slow start, conceding two goals in the opening 10 minutes, were very competitive for the rest of the match. Again, like, another credible loss, Joe. Great. That, that's a super credible loss. We may have to base our religion out of Australia. I mean, this, this seems like it might be the homeland of it. It's, you have like a church. Basically, if we take our two podcasts together, it seems like you have one church in Australia, one, one sort of church, church located in Green Bay, uh, and then yes. some kind of like Mecca area in sort of the Germany region, I think. Those seem to be our three main centers of listenership. I'll tell you, I mean, Packer Corner, that is going to be packed. Like, we start passing oh, yeah. that collection plate oh, around, yeah. that's going to fund our whole religion. Because uh, I'll tell you, this podcast is operating at a heavy loss. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We, we need a strong, strong donation base for this new religion. But hey, getting that tax-exempt status, that might help. That's huge. Boy, yeah. we, we really got to look into that. <laughs> uh, they were very competitive for the rest of the match. The loss to Spain wasn't good, however, but overall, the Australian public were satisfied due to the circumstances as we were expecting three floggings. We have four major codes of football, which is why we call it soccer to avoid confusion. Aussie rules, the AFL, rugby league, NRL, rugby union, called rugby, and, and, and football, which is called soccer. Despite rugby league and rugby, rugby union being two separate sports, I find most Americans refer to both of them as rugby and, I th- and think they are the same thing. For example, Jared Hain, who played for the San Francisco, or who played for San Francisco in the NFL, was always referred to as a former rugby player despite playing rugby league. Mm. Our national anthem is not too long. The second verse is not recognized or ever sang at sporting events, and most Australians would not even know it exists. Just the first verse is fine. I'm not expecting Australia to get out of the group stage, and I do believe this will be regarded as our worst result in a World Cup, which is a shame because it's probably the easiest group we ever had. Love the podcast. Super fan, Bob. Thanks, super fan, Bob. Wow. And now Bob is not a fjord jumper because he, he listened way back in Australia. <laughs> he sent this email like three or four weeks ago. So oh, yeah. he, he's in. He's good. He's, he's good. in way before yeah. the, uh, the influx. Yeah. Uh, so... Superfan Sean, he says, <laughs> he says, stop saying Black Rod. And he says, P.S., loving that the podcast gets messier as the audience grows. That's, that's how we work. Absolutely. And is, is he uncomfortable with us talking about Black Rod? I, I think he was. All right. Well, I mean, you know, he should blame, blame the British Parliament for that, not us. Now... Zev, have you heard of this Black Rod business? I don't know about Zev knows nothing about Black Rod. You are you are a black man. No, 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 no. Black Rod is open the England 
uh, portion of our scripture to learn more about Black Rod, Joe. That's right. We have too much business to go through. And this is great feedback, Joe, from Superfan I'll show you pictures of Black Rods later. Okay, go ahead. Bez is definitely an apostle, too. Is there there one level above apostle? Well, by the end of this season, we'll appoint a pope. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That they'll do while we're up there in heaven. Yes. We got, or or whatever, or Australia, or wherever the deities of Joe Picks Potism live, we need somebody on the ground going around. Running the church. Yeah. Driving yeah. around, spreading the word. Boom. Uh, yeah. We'll decide that at the end of the season. Absolutely. I have some ideas, though. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, in Joe Picks Potism, you would, you would think we'd want them to have like a giant Pope hat or something, but Joe... You hate hats. It covers up your hair. You only wear visors. It would be a Pope visor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? The problem with a visor is how decorative can a visor be? Like, there's nothing to support the weight of some, like, contraption because it's sort of oh, around your head. There could be a lot of things hanging off the visor. I guess they could be hanging down from the yeah. visor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, this Joe Picks Potism Pope visor is going to be pretty amazing. I have some yeah. ideas already. Anyways, right, Dan, Bez says, what does Bez have to say? Despite my previous warning to Joe against picking England, I found myself rooting for them to progress. And by the time the episode ended, the typical delusion of an Englishman had hit me. England will win the World Cup guaranteed. The only section I got that got a score I disagreed with is national anthem. Any country that still has a monarchy is bad enough. But one that sings about it deserves a score of zero. Wait, isn't Bez both English and Spanish, two countries that still have monarchies? Yes. He's a self-hating English and Spaniard. Bez, embrace what you have. Believe me, having no no monarchy is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. But, Joe, speaking of government, sadly, he did not get elected last week. He fell a scant 2,300 votes short. Bez, what happened? We could have all donated to his campaign if he had just told us. It's not that we... Imagine if we had a congregation in, yes, the, the location of Bromley Cross, where he was, and we just went and told everybody, it is your holy duty to vote for our Apostle Bez. That's right. Joe Picks Potism is not, has no restrictions like other churches do on politicking from the pulpit. Yeah. We love to politic from the pulpit. Boy, I'll tell you, those uh, evangelical churches definitely don't yeah, do anything never, about politics. They never do that. <laughs> we, could have, we could have brought Bez all the religious votes in his community, at least yeah. those who follow our religion. Absolutely. Oh, Bez, what, lost opportunity. And he says, now, as you move on to Belgium, great segue for us. I don't have particularly strong feelings for or against it, but I once had a nice Belgium waffle in Brussels. So there is that. And he says, one more thing, Joe. He... As a good apostle, and this is something that's very important in Joe Pick's podism, as people are going to be scouring our text, they're going to be looking for inconsistencies. And I think this comes up in the Bible sometimes. One section says one thing, another section says another thing. What is the true word of Joe Pick's podism? But Joe, we have no such problems because he says, I'm pleased to see the consistency and professionalism in Joe's scores. The London Royalties episode of season one had gin as the drink and scored a six. Now, Joe, last week you gave Beefeater Gin and you gave it a small bump to a seven because you really like Beefeater Gin, apparently. But he says, good consistency of scores in the famous words of Joe. And these, the holy words of Joe say, 
Just calling balls and strikes. Be- Bez, Bez is like almost uh, Talmudic in his approach to Joe Pick's Potism. He's he's he is not just an apostle. He's almost a scholar of. He's, he's a scholar. He's the Rabbi Akiva of Joe Pick's Potism. <laughs> I, I mean, in addition to being a scholar, I've got to say he's got to be the front runner for Pope. Oh, I mean, he's he's up there, but. You know, we have to decide, do we want like a progressive pope, a learned pope, uh, a like old pope who's going to pass on the torch? I mean, we have to think about this. Boy, if we had a young pope, we could get in that HBO show. (laughs) As people are searching for World Cup, they're already running into us, the fjord jumpers. But if we can get young pope, we might get people who are out trying to learn, trying to hear a podcast about that HBO show. We can just have the young pope episode. Absolutely. All right, Joe. As our... As we get to the meat of today's sermon on Belgium, do you have any final words before we jump into Homeland Handbook? I mean, just to say that I've switched to Zabrowka. Oh, and to say, you know, quick other feedback from England episode, a lot of action on the Reddit page, and I was happy to be corrected that, and I still don't really understand this, that talking about pudding as a separate category of dessert doesn't really make sense for England because pudding is just another, it seems like it's a word for dessert. Yeah, in England, that someone would say, and I think the example that was given was, um, "Would you like some pudding?" Sure, I'll have the ice cream. Yeah, strange. I think it makes sense. Right. Also, that 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 Reddit page was full of fjord jumpers this week. I don't know half the people in there now. I know it's it's blowing up, Joe. I mean, this is what happens. Should we tell people where to find it? Sure. Go to Reddit, the Joe Pick subreddit on Reddit. <laughs> Reddit.com slash r slash JoePix. There you go. Okay, Dan, let's let's move on. Let's start talking Belgium. All right. Well, let's learn a little bit more about this country in a segment I like to call Homeland Handbook. The name of the people of this country are a Belgian, a group of Belgians who are all, you guessed it, Belgium. I was wondering if it was going to be Belgiumese, but no. not. Okay. Now, languages. This is our first curveball. Dutch is one of the three official languages spoken by 60% of the people. French, the second of the official languages, is spoken by 40% of the people. And the third official language is German, which is spoken by less than 1%. The religions, 50% Roman Catholic, 2.5% Protestant and other Christian, 5% Muslim, 0.4% Jewish, 0.3% Buddhist, 9% Atheist, and... 33% no religion. The capital city is Brussels. Now, Joe, I I guess I should bring it up now since people were, we've had compliments of Brussels and the Belgian waffles and insults. I think when Tony and I were once in Brussels, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, Tony was robbed in Brussels on our Euro trip like over 10 years ago. So Brussels... Not the not the nicest place in the world. I agree with the person who said it sucks. I mean, that's that's sort of. I mean, should we consider that an atrocity from the Belgian people, the Belgian people? Definitely. You know, I, I will I will circle back to that in the atrocity section for you. You know, you know, Tony is obviously. I don't know whether he'll end up due to his PhD status. Will he be a scholar? Will he be an apostle? Will he be some other figure? But this country has directly attacked one of our own, Joe. It's true. It's true. I mean, that that must be held against them. You know what? When I think about Belgium, this is what I this is how I picture Belgium in my brain. And and 
you know, first of all, I've been to Belgium, but I've only been on a train that was going through Belgium. So I don't know if it counts or not. I mean, I was like on ground level. I don't know how the how the peanut gallery feels about whether or not oh, that you've counts been as through being Belgium. I don't think you've been to Belgium. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, maybe Zev. What do you think? Through or two? I mean, you've been through. So, so can I say I've been to Belgium? So if someone says, have you ever been to Belgium? What do I get to say? You could say yes. I could say yes. Studio audience says, okay. All right. So I've been to Belgium. But the way that I think about Belgium is, you know how when you're, okay, there's fast food places, right? And there's, there's KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then there's Taco Bell. But then sometimes you're on a road trip and you see one of those like weird restaurants that's like, it's a, QF, it's a KFC and a Taco Bell. And it has both signs and it's one in one place. And you're like, what is it? And you're like, it's both. It's neither. I don't know. And that's how I think about Belgium. It's like this, it's just in between all these other European countries. And it's sort of all of them and neither of them all at once. Yeah. And it's an astute point because the reason it's got the three official languages is it's actually got like three main segments where it's got the part that borders France, where people speak French. Yeah. And that's like all the people act like French. And then it's got... Uh, I guess the part that borders whatever's north of it, where they speak Dutch. I didn't do that much research. (laughs) Those are all, that's like a different subset of people. And then there's a section in the middle where Brussels is, where they're like, everybody speaks everything. And they're like three semi, like it's all part of Belgium, but they're like three distinct regions of Belgium that are like different. And then there's a little part of it that borders Germany where they speak German, but that's a, a much smaller section. And it is really a country that is, and I think, like, based on the culture and everything, it is just these separate segments that are very different based upon, like, a, a larger country that, that it borders. It's sort of like the culture has uh, permeated them. It's a mashup. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right. Well, Joe. So, I'm ready. This country has some exports. What are the chief exports or what is one of the chief exports of one of the belgium? chief exports of belgium okay so let's think about what we know about belgium uh they have waffles french fries they have brussels sprouts i assume come from belgium so it could be agriculture studio audience what do you think where are Top you coming up from with belgium? this chocolate, chocolate. French, french fries what is french, french fries were, invest- were invented in belgium all right i don't know <laughs> The fact that you know that because it's not they're not called like Belgium fries. They're called French it, fries. I think it came up in the France episode. Oh. If you go back and listen. Uh, okay. Studio audience has a good point. The book I of like France. It. I'm gonna go with it. Uh, chocolate. Number one All export. Right. That's the sound effect when usual. I get it right. <laughs> Number one export, Joe, is of course cars. God damn it. It's boring. But and that's like a that's like a shitty one because they import as many cars as they export. But the number two is actually a legitimate one, which is they are they they do this. This is something they do. This is something they're known for throughout Europe. That's right, Joe. Pharmaceuticals. Oh, the old pharmaceutical game. Pharmaceuticals are a driving force behind Belgium's economy, representing more than a tenth of its total exports. In 2016, the sector exported. 40 billion euros in medicines and vaccines, nearly reaching 2015's record value of 41 billion. 
Our unique location in Europe, easy access to international markets, and excellent infrastructure for the distribution of pharmaceuticals are the main reasons for this success. That was taken from one of those like pamphlets where the put out by the Belgian pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, but I didn't say it. I've always, I've always complimented Belgians on their pharmaceuticals. Hey, Joe, that's a moral victory. You know what? You get the point. <laughs> yes, well earned. A moral well victory earned. is equal to an actual victory. All right, Joe, you're one for one. There are 32 countries in this World Cup where, by population, does Belgium rank? I mean, I don't think Belgium's that big, but you know, it has a lot of major cities too, so it can't be that small either. Um, okay, wait, Studio Audience just said zero. That's, that's a bad guess. <laughs> uh, you don't get a moral victory for that because that doesn't, it's not even within 1 to 32. No, no, no. What do you, what do you think the population of Belgium is? 32. Okay. Kim, that's not helpful either. Uh, let's say, I'm going to guess 17. 17, Joe? Survey says. Nope. I mean, it's a quasi moral victory, but it's even bordering on that. They are smaller than that, Joe. They are 22nd. Wow. They are relatively small, only 11.5 million people. They are the 80th largest country overall in the world. 22nd out of 32 among the World Cup teams. I'm just surprised that a country that has three cities that I've just heard of, like, would be that. I would just assume that, that they are big enough, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, Joe, in our religion, assuming is good. We love assuming. Assuming is a virtuous right. thing you can do. That's right. That's right. Look, and and being 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 wrong is better. Being wrong confidently is better than being right and not confident about it. Absolutely. I mean, the problem is we're getting into some tough territory in the uh, especially in the Me Too movement. But <laughs> look, look, there's some problematic stuff about <laughs> Joe Pig's pod. Some some of the of apostles things. and scholars are going to have to work that out. <laughs> That's right. They're going to have to go through the text. Figure out our positions on that. but They may have to modernize the religion for our <laughs> <Yeah>. current times. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But look, Joe Picks Podism is all about going straight to the point and t- spending, devoting lots of time about the country. That's what we're all about. That's so, right. Surgical. In and out. In and out. Again, Me Too movement. This, this must be parsed. <laughs> our... Sometimes we speak in parables, Joe. It's not always it's, uh, it's, it's not true. always literal. It's true. Like when you were defending Balkan genocide, were you actually defending <laughs> Balkan genocide, or were you making a broader point about you know Absolutely. moral moral relativism? It, it's it's so much like Job, you know. Yeah, if you right. if you really spend the time to analyze it. <laughs> now, Joe, World Cup history, road to qualification, and the group. I touched on their uh, World Cup history in the intro a little bit, but. Uh, you know, they were in the first World Cup. And that, that's the cool part about it is like, how do they travel to it? As I said in the intro, they got on a boat and the boat was a two week long boat ride to go to this tournament. And they were basically saying that they were on the boat with all these other teams. They would go under the deck of the boat and just practice. They would be like, 
kicking around a soccer ball on a boat in the ocean that's obviously like rocking around and that's like what their practice was in the weeks before the world cup which is crazy i wonder if that if when you arrive first of all when you think about what travel was like back then it's no it should be no surprise that the host country won the first world cup um (laughs) Because they were like the only ones that like didn't have like three of their players die of scurvy on the way over. Uh, um. And it's funny. I mean, to your point, uh, even Brazil, which bordered Uruguay, actually this – the boat went from – I think um, Barcelona was the last stop in Europe. And then its first stop was Rio de Janeiro where it picked up the Brazil team. So the Brazil team also traveled on the same boat even though they bordered Uruguay. That was like the – best way for them to travel yeah yeah no no right so yeah obviously the host country that's like oh man you guys look seasick and tired and hungry and whatever but you know i do wonder if practicing aboard a boat is that like um would that give you an advantage or a disadvantage do you think that you do that and then you're like oh we practice in this very hard condition where the ground was moving and there wasn't a lot of space or do you think that it's like you get used to the like um you know, using the the motion of the boat to your advantage, and then and then suddenly when you're playing on solid ground, it's like, you know, you no, know, I agree. I mean, I think the data shows all those teams did terribly, and the home yeah, team did really well. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny that in the next two World Cups, which are both hosted in Europe, all the South American teams are super upset, and you know, it makes sense in the context of that. If the World Cup is hosted in your continent, it's like a one-day boat ride. And if it's hosted across the world, it's a two-week boat ride, which is right. just such a massive difference. I think that they should do that for World Cups now. That, that should like just like, you know, just like Black Rod. And there's there's a there's a there's a benefit to tradition that maybe they should just make all the teams travel to wherever the World Cup is by boat. Hmm. It can well, be a modern boat. You know it, what? Why don't they try it out for 2018? <laughs> then by 2022, when the U.S. is back in it, we can revert back. Perfect. I'm in. I'm in. All right. All right. So uh, let's get on to the first category. Anyways, as I said, the fourth place finished 1986. Quarterfinal appearance last year. Uh, they didn't qualify in 2006 or 2010. So that's really sort of the knock on them. Um, that back in early this uh, millennium, they weren't so great. But then now this Belgium team, like... As I said, by ELO rating and by world ranking, the Belgian team right now is better than it's ever been at any World Cup. So this is clearly a team on the rise. And just to add one more thing in before I get to the road to qualification, um, I was listening to a uh, Bill Simmons podcast, which is probably the only podcast where their soccer content is like at a lower level than our podcast. (laughs) And Bill Simmons was like, oh, the World Cup's coming up, you know. Yeah, the, he's a fjord jumper if there ever was one and he had the guy who does their soccer podcast and he's like what are who are your sleeper picks for the world cup and you know he said two teams belgium and colombia the team we're doing today and the team we're doing next week are his like sleeper upset wow. picks so wow even among the uh the glitterati the belgium is like you know they're they're up there as a, as a team that not only do the stats show they're on the rise, but people are, are believing that this team has the chance. And so let's see how they went through qualification. So they started qualification as the second seed in Europe. Very good. And let's look at their draw. So in pot two, there are I don't know thirteen teams or whatever. They got the worst team by seed: Bosnia Herzegovina. Then among the pot three teams, they got the worst team. <laughs> 
by seeding Greece. Then among the pot four teams, they got the worst team by seeding Estonia. Then in pot five, which obviously is irrelevant, they got Cyprus. And then their original pot only had four or five teams, but then Gibraltar actually created a soccer team after qualifying started. And so Gibraltar just got put in their uh, bracket. So they're basically, they're had by far the easiest group. Of so they got, they got a team that had just been created too. They had a team that just, it, they, there's literally, they had the worst team by seeding in pot two, pot three, and pot four. They could not have, <laughs> have lucked out and gotten a, a better draw. And of course, they just destroyed this group. Uh, nine wins, one draw, plus 37 goal differential. Uh, I mentioned last week that, uh, or, I, well, whatever, four days ago, that England was the second team out of Europe to qualify. Uh, they, Belgium was the first. They qualified with a 2-1 win over Greece in their third-to-last game. Their uh, last two games are completely irrelevant. The only draw they had was a 1-1 draw against Greece. Otherwise, they just absolutely demolished people. Uh, the leading goal scorer in the group was none other than Romelu Lukaku, who had 11 goals. Fun fact, he had he scored a goal in seven of the 10 qualifying games, but Joe, he only played in eight of them. So he scored a goal in seven out of the eight games he played, and he, in eight games, he scored 11 goals. So that was dominant. The uh, in second place in the group for goal scorers, there was another Belgian player, Eden Hazard, who had six goals, who also tied a uh, Bosnian uh, Herzegovinian player, Eden Zeko. I don't know who that is. But anyways, they, they just obviously demolished this group. They, they it just wasn't even close. I think their games against Gibraltar were like eight to nothing or something. It was just like an absolute uh, demolition. So what happened? Where did they get put? I mean, we went over this four days ago, but they get put in Group G, where they are the slight favorite to win over England. Uh, you know, we talked about this again. Uh, Belgium and England by have the combined highest chances of advancing of any two top teams in a group. They're with Tunisia right. and Panama, who they're both uh, expected to crush. They have 52% chance of winning the group as compared to England, who has a 42% chance, 84% chance to advance. England, 82%. So very similar to England, same group. And as we talked about last week, they play England third. So if they beat Tunisia and Panama, they will likely have their spot locked up uh, before they even play England. So which, as we talked about, either makes that game more interesting or much less interesting. And their overall odds to win are a bet of one euro returns a crisp, clean 10 euro note. Their odds are 10 to one which uh, I believe puts them fifth of uh, all the teams overall. So, and, and as talked about, uh, obviously at, at uh, 10 to 1, this is, um, there's no surprise. Like, they obviously have, a, have a, a good chance. But, you know, this is really at the, um, out, out of the true powerhouses, this is the first team just right in that top of that second tier. And their odds to qualify, just based on the betting thing or, their, or where they're expected to go, 84% chance to make it uh, to the knockout rounds, 60% chance to make the quarterfinals, 31% chance to make the semis, 17% chance to make the final, and an 8% chance to win. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're at this point, I think, too good to be considered a sleeper pick, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think 
it's a sleeper pick in the Fjord jumping Bill Simmons podcast where he's like, oh, Belgium. Wow. They're in right, the World because Cup. They're, because they're not a traditional powerhouse, but they're just – their current team is so good that – that it's almost already just too good. Yeah, they have. Um, their, I'm, I, I just want to say the the ones ahead of them, just so uh, to get this point about them being the first like non traditional pick to an idiot. The, the teams ranked ahead of them are Germany, Brazil, Spain, France, Argentina. So if you are, that like, means that the team ranked behind them is Brazil. Is that right? What do you mean? I already said Brazil. Oh, you said Brazil. Okay, so the so, team ranked right behind them is England. England, right. And then England, Portugal, Uruguay, who who we already done, and then you get to real outside picks. But right. but they're like the first team that if you if you were like in a bar trying to impress somebody, as this person was trying to impress Bill Simmons, you throw out Belgium, and they're like you know, yeah, they, I'm just they, saying they've that, never won before, right? Saying that Belgium is going to be good this year and and has a chance at the World Cup isn't like a hot take. It's it's pretty standard at this point. Yeah. Um. But look, you know. It is exciting when a team that is that has never won it before, you know that 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 eight years ago wasn't even qualifying for the World Cup, is this good for sure? Um, you, you know, I sort of wish that they had had at least a somewhat more interesting road to qualification, because it does make you wonder about like you know if they haven't been playing that much against top tier competition, how that affects them. Um, and I mean, the funny thing is they're also going to have an easy. I mean. You know, they will have a relatively easy road to the knockout stage. And, and that's going to be their you know, first strong test. Another interesting point is the only strong team they would be playing might be in a completely irrelevant game. Right, right, right. So their first really tough challenge. I mean, that's the one danger with a team like this is that they could be coasting along, beating the fuck out of Tunisia, whatever, and then get to that round of 16 and have to play Brazil or whoever and just get totally annihilated because they haven't had that level of competition in a, in, yeah, in a long I mean, time. That's such a great point. They will have not, I mean, they have not played any serious, like their best competition was Greece in. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who their friendlies were against um, and maybe they're getting competition that way, but I mean, even those, I mean, we talked about that, you know, a few weeks ago, like how serious are those games? I yeah. It's know. never, it's never the same level. Look, I think that Belgium, like, if you were to tell me that that a team like France had ten to one odds or whatever their odds were, like they are a little bit less exciting because France has gone far in the World Cup before. Belgium does, I think, have a little bit of an edge for me because this would be a new thing and it would be an exciting team, um, and is a team that that I know a lot of the players on, uh, which we'll get to later. But I think that they are just a little too good for my sweet spot, so I'm going to say seven out of ten on this category. Seven out of ten. And yeah, a good astute analysis I hadn't considered. Of those top seven teams, Germany, Brazil, Spain, France, Argentina, Belgium, and England, they are the only one that has not won the World Cup before. So right, right, right. that's uh, a nice little... That's a type of have... deep analysis you get with uh, yeah. the Joe Picks pod. All right. Let's see. Next category, Dan, is going to be... Hopefully one without not a lot of reading. Come on, Joe. Category eight. Oh no! Actually, I think that normally would, but uh, I think uh, it it doesn't this time because Karsten, who you know, different um, apostles and different members of Joe Pixism, they communicate in different ways. And Karsten used to be much more. Uh, what's the fancy word for a lot of words, Joe? 
Loquacious. Yes, very nice. He used to be very loquacious, but now, in his new state, in his new position, he has become very, uh, what's the opposite of that? Very uh, terse. He's become very terse, which, as somebody suffering from a headache, this is a most welcome change. So, biggest celebrities from... Poor Karsten. Just shout out to Karsten. He's been working so hard at work. We really, Carson's been under a lot of pressure. He's been, he's been, he's been, he's been crushing it. Look, he's been, this, this section is such a gift. And, and I think, dare I say, he did not need the words to do a great job, Joe. And let's just start with a bronze medalist. No honorable right. mentions. Top celebrities. Jean, let's hear it. Jean-Claude Van Damme. The Jean-Claude martial artist Jean- and he's actor. A, he's, he's a bronze medalist? That could have been a gold medalist. Oh, my That's gosh. A, it's a bronze medalist, Joe. The silver medalist. Love Jean-Claude Van Damme. Have you ever seen the movie Time Cop? No. Oh, my God. I don't think I've seen a single movie Jean-Claude Van Damme is in. Just just all, all Joe Picks Pod accolades. Go watch Time Cop. It's great. I think they should watch Studio The Leftovers audience is first. Nodding. Studio audience knows that. that t- stop it with The Leftovers. <laughs> Studio audience agrees. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay, okay. Okay, who's next? Silver medalist. The studio audience is not canon to Joe Pick's ism. <laughs> this is that's just one of our many congregations. He's like the Tom Jones of karate. I, 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 that that analogy escapes me, but okay, all right. Yes, that will be parsed for years to come. All the right, silver medalist. Silver medalist. Strome, the rapper. All right, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yes, neither do I, Joe. And the gold medalist. It's a three-way tie at the top. There's a lot of a lot of uh, skill on this top rung of the podium. Eden Hazard, Romu Lukaku, and Kevin Du. How do you pronounce his name? De Bruyne. Yeah, that's right. Kevin De Bruyne. They're all at the top. They're all tied. Uh, he he has said that the the top celebrities in, in this country are their football stars. And who am I to question him? I mean, you can't argue with that. I mean, you know, I think you could ask what, why uh, uh, Cochois, their keeper, is not on there. But yeah, I mean, I think that I agree. Obviously, that that their that their soccer stars are their most prominent celebrities. Sort of violating the the rule that we had that they couldn't be the soccer celebrities. We allowed it, of course, with Harry Kane because it's Harry Kane. But even if you take those off and you ignore the rapper that I've literally never heard of before. Yeah, Strome, um, Joe. It's not a real person. Uh, well, he's definitely a real person. You just haven't heard of that. I don't know that. Or I don't is know. That, maybe, is that something else maybe, in Joe Pixism that if you have not heard of it, it just doesn't exist? No, it's just my skepticism that, that maybe Karsten is catfishing us. Wow. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe he's created an online persona of a rapper that doesn't exist, gotten millions of followers, somehow gotten the blue check mark just to just to mess with the algorithm of this podcast i I don't quite think that's catfishing but it's something it's 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 blowfishing i don't know it's something like it look you're the one you're the wordsmith over here so i'm not Uh, questioning you all right all right all right let me just say um he could have just stopped at jean-claude van damme that's a great celebrity um sometimes less is more in joe pickspotism absolutely uh, 
I think it's a good celebrity. I think it's true that, you know, for, for, a, for a mid-sized to smaller country, they're producing a lot of celebrities in the soccer realm. Uh, prolific rappers, possibly. Need to verify that. Uh, and, you know, you know, great martial arts action movie stars, including Time Cop, a American classic film. Uh, so I'm going to say, just, I mean, once again, I think this is a 7 out of 10. Seven out of ten. Wow. And, you know, we've talked about this before in other episodes, but it is sort of amazing some of these countries that are so small and just produce this unbelievable talent. I think the one we specifically talked about before was Uruguay and and Belgium seems pretty similar where this is a very small country in comparison. And they are obviously not only fielding an, an incredible team, but they're producing just top tier players throughout the entire world. It's it yeah no it, it is weird you know you, you know I don't know uh, I mean there must be some some analysis about economics and and player development but 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 there's something that these countries do right especially I mean to go back to Uruguay the consistency over over years and years I mean you know Belgium you know I think like you said in your intro one thing that we've seen is that obviously um, economic and um, and you know, economic stability and like safety are key. Um, and, and then when a country is war torn, they tend to not be focusing on on player development. But I mean, it's like now that Belgium isn't like the battleground for world wars, like they're doing all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it almost might be like the reverse. Like if you're in the middle of everything and wars are going on, it's like terrible. But in our current situation, like being in the middle of stuff is probably really good, like for your economy and, and for like totally. talent coming right. through. And, you know, if you've got the best players, you can send them to Germany if you want. You can send them to France if you want. You know, you can send them to England and you're just right in the, the thick of everything. And I wonder if like if if the parallel with Uruguay is sort of like the same or like, you know, Uruguay is sort of nestled between Brazil and Argentina, these like larger countries of South America and... Belgium is like nestled between the Netherlands and France and Germany a little bit too. Like, I wonder if there is this like thing of like when you're between, when you're sort of like the, the like New Jersey turnpike of countries, like if that actually like just gives you that economic and maybe even soccer playing boost. Yeah, I can see it, Joe. I think we're onto something here. This could be a whole new way of gambling on, on, on sports. Yeah, right. we we do have to. Well, we have to pick that leading goal scorer, but I guess we'll get into that a, a little oh, well, later. I mean, we're going to talk about that this episode for sure. All right, next category, Dan. Ready? It is category four. All right. Ooh. Well, Joe. Dare I say, I was thinking that as I was reading through this, my headache seems to be abating, which could be the medicine I took right before going on, or it could be the first of potentially many. Joe Picks Podism Miracles. Joe Picks and, Podism does have healing powers. And Joe, if I think but 30 seconds ago, we were looking for a segue to talk about goal scoring odds. Did you, you know that pick- Bez, Bez, Bez couldn't walk before he listened to the podcast? And now he's Ry- running, running for office, Joe. Riley the diabetic isn't diabetic anymore. He's just Riley. Or he's maybe dead because he hasn't written in. <laughs> it's not written. I am actually quite concerned for Riley the diabetic. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see in, when, in the second coming of the Fantasy Football League, Joe. But our second Joe Picks Pod is a miracle. We were talking about it. We wanted the, the segue. Let's just get right into it. The, the skies have opened up. 
number four has come out the top player to watch show, and it is none other than this striker, a 24-year-old who plays for none other than Manchester United, Romelu Lukaku. Powerful, left-footed poacher. He is one of the many Belgian talents. Great physical presence, good shot, strong header, decent dribbling. With 33 goals and 66 appearances, he is Belgium's record scorer. He will benefit greatly from one of the best assist givers out there and one of my favorite players, Kevin De Bruyne. Lukaku's parents are from the Congo and his younger brother is a fullback for Lazio Roma. Lukaku speaks French, Dutch, English, Portuguese, Spanish, a Congolese Swahili dialect, and understands German. He is a practicing Roman Catholic. In your beloved FIFA, he is his skill level is 86. His potential is 90. David gives him a... I don't know if it's the greatest score in the world, but uh, maybe for what you're going to think, but an 8. An 8. Wow. So here's the thing about Romelu Lukaku that I like. Uh, he played for Chelsea... And every year, year after year, they're loaning him out, loaning him out. He played for Everton, uh, loaning him out. And then, finally, he, like, got good, and Chelsea just never wanted to sign him for Chelsea. Like, they just had whatever. You know, I mean, I'm sure that, like, I'm sure the story's been written about to death, but, like, managers who didn't like him, players who would have been ahead of him, and then ends up now being a star for Man U, one of Chelsea's biggest rivals. And it's just like, like, Chelsea, this team that is, like, so... Um, denigrated for just buying championships and buying players finally like successfully develops a player and doesn't even get to like enjoy the rewards of that because they were too stupid to like sign him when they could have ah so that makes you happy as a Chelsea hater absolutely and not that I have any like love for Man U but it's just good to see and like I mean Romelu Lukaku is just like he's a he's a good player to watch. He's not the fastest out there. He's not like the sharpest shooter, like which is I think part of why Chelsea doesn't like him. But he is like he's like a big player. He's a big forward. He just is like a he's he's a he's a guy that you root for. I think if you watch the Premier League a lot, and um, I I like him for all those reasons. And I think he is going to be he is someone who has a chance at this. Um, bet that we've been talking about it would also be fun because you put some money down on that and then you're kind of rooting for Belgium by proxy through this player because not only do you want them to win but you want them to go far in the tournament and you want Lukaku to score a lot of goals and like Eden Hazard is I mean I'm not surprised that he's the second goal scorer he's a sort of like a, um, attacking midfielder um, who, who who finds a lot of opportunities to score and I think he's he scored against Tottenham this year uh, who plays for Chelsea um, you know, he's he's good too, but Lukaku is their forward, and he will be their big scoring option. Uh, and you take a team that's sort of the, it seems to me, betting wise, like the right confluence of a team that can go really far with a sort of centralized goal scoring figure. Because you look at other teams that can go far, and maybe you could say that that's also true of Messi in particular. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like the the odds are not as favorable with Messi. Like you don't get as much return for that. But like similar to Messi, where but then they have Neymar too, right? But but you say like okay, so Messi's going to be the main scoring option, and they have Neymar, who's also going to score a lot of goals. No, no, no not it's, not uh, not on Argentina, Joe. They have uh, Aguero. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Higuain. Yes. Yes. 
So they have other goal scoring options, but obviously Messi's going to be the main, the main figure scoring the goals. Okay. I think it's the same with Belgium, but just obviously with a little bit less quality, but, um, but a much bigger return on your investment if Lukaku does score a lot of goals, especially with the very, very favorable qualification games or, or um, uh, group stage games. I just think that there's a good chance that this is a good bet. Yeah, so the odds are Lukaku is at 20 to 1. Uh, you know, he's, he's behind Gabriel Jesus. Brazilian Neymar, another Brazilian. So they're splitting, and they both have better odds. Timo Werner, never heard yeah. of him. Harry Kane, yeah. Antoine Griezmann, yeah. my birthday brother Ronaldo, who, by the way, didn't look so hot today. And of course, Messi, who's the number one. But th- those guys range from eight and a half to one to Messi, all the way down to sixteen to one for uh, Kane, Jesus, and Werner. But Lukaku's are right there at twenty to one. And uh, the the next Belgian is Dries Mertens at thirty three to one, and then uh, Eden Hazard's at forty to one. So he's definitely the the number one Belgian by you know some some distance in the odds. I like Lukaku. I like this bet. He's a fun player to watch. Not to mention the fact that there are three Belgian players on Tottenham currently: Jan Vertonghen, our 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 uh, central. Uh, defender, uh, Toby, Toby Alderweireld, who's 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 going to be Alderweireld, who's going to be probably leaving this summer, um, and then also Musa Nabele, who's also going to be leaving this summer, but who had many great years at Tottenham. Uh, so it's a good Tottenham Hotspur team. Uh, I like Lukaku, and I think this is a good bet. I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. Maybe we should put. I mean, we got to put some euros on that because I, you know, I've decided that since we didn't get enough. I mean, now with all the fjord jumpers, it would be a good time to redo the poll and actually get some responses. But we never. There was no like, uh, you know, the the majority didn't really all weigh in on a certain option. People just threw some ideas out. So I think I'm going to spread the wealth around and, and bet on a few people. And I think Lukaku, he's he's getting a bet. Oh yeah, I think Lukaku is a good bet. All right, Dan. Category six. Category six. All right. By the way, we need to bet that quickly before all the fjord jumpers start betting on it, and then it, it starts adjusting the line. Yeah, blowing the odds. You know that's going to happen, Joe. Damn it. I mean, let's maybe put we money down just... before you release the episode. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe we we'll just hold this episode and just never release it because it's just not worth it. Category six. What do we have? Fan culture from Superfan. Fan emeritus and perhaps future apostle in the German division, Yannick. The nickname of the the Belgian team, the Red Devils. This quote from Reddit. He he went to uh, went to Reddit, sought out advice from them, and he found this quote that he thinks is perfect. He says, "Joe will fit right in with the Belgian supporters. Belgians don't give a shit about Belgium. Neither does Joe. We can't understand a word half the country is speaking." Joe is a super Belgian. He doesn't understand anyone. We don't own a Belgian flag, or at least don't know in which dark corner of the basement it is gathering dust. Does Joe own a Belgian flag? I don't think so. But when the World Cup starts, we suddenly go all tricolor. Belgian colors, Belgian beers, and supporting the Belgian team. Joe can do this. Sure, he can support another country, and they may have a cool Viking chant or uniform or whatever. However, there is no country where he can have as authentic an experience as with Belgium. Wow. I mean, Joe, let, let's just ask you this. 
Do you understand German, Dutch, or French? Uh, no, not I don't. I don't understand any of those languages. Wow. Do you own a Belgian flag? Uh, no. Does I that mean, basically make me Belgium? Joe, you might own a Belgium flag magnet very soon. So that could throw the whole That's thing true. off. That's true. And, you know, I know that we have wrapped this into this category. And you always say that it's not a good podcasting category because it's not a visual medium. But, but look at this kit. Studio audience, look at this kit. Look at this jersey. It's like plaid. There's like a plaid design on the jersey. It's incredible. Yeah, Very there you preppy. go. Wow. Yeah. It's good looking. Uh, and uh, to, to finish us off, their main rival, their northern neighbor, the Netherlands, although it seems more like a friendly animosity. And Yannick says in his classic condescending German, most people from Belgium just watch the national theme for the beer. Sigh. <laughs> is it? Maybe Belgium is the perfect team for me to pick because... I am a fan without a country to root for in this World Cup. And this is a country that's just basically a, like, greatest hits of all the countries around it. It really is. And I'll tell just you. Just a mashup. It's a nice kit, Joe. You'd look good in this kit. Yeah, I think that red would really bring out my skin tone. If, if you could get a visor to go with it. Actually, you could just wear your Panthers visor. I think the red and the, the nice blue would really go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this sounds like great fan culture. Uh, you know, love the Belgian beer. We'll get to that later. Love the kit. I'm going to say uh, solid, solid 7 out of 10. Solid 7 out of 10. Wow. It seems to be that right in their, their alley. Yeah. I mean, they're, they have a wheelhouse for sure. Yeah. They're in it, Joe. I, I mean, look at that. Oh, that wasn't I – was, I had Section 7 on my screen, but that was not the one we just did. We just did 6. It was not. That could have been a Joe Picks Pod miracle, another one, but it, it's not to be. Joe, what number is next? Category three. Oh, if only it was seven, Joe. All right, category three, a.k.a. category five, a.k.a. food and couponing from Fan Emeritus Emily. Now, Fan Emeritus Emily also did email in some, some stuff about our England episode, but you handled that off the podcast, Joe. You... You responded directly to a follower in our holy form of communication email, so I uh, I didn't bring it up on the podcast. But here we go for Belgium. They have Groupon nested between the Netherlands, Germany, France, and Luxembourg. The country borrows flavors from its European neighbors. However, the country has staked a claim to a few important areas: chocolate, their chief export, yes. waffles, fries, and beer. Wow! Look Thank at you, you. Joe. You've got how many of those things do you have in your house right now? Do you have chocolate, waffles, fries, and beer in your house right now? You know what's interesting about that that you bring that up, Dan? Because because we bought we went grocery shopping today and I went with my oldest daughter and she actually picked out chocolate waffles. Wow. Wow. I mean, how Belgium can you be? Your your offspring are just they just have the Belgian taste naturally. They have two national dishes. One is moules frites. Mussels and fries, where the shellfish cooked in a broth of beer or sometimes wine, served along with French fries. Carbonade flamande. <laughs> that flamande. might be butchered. Yeah, I don't know. Carbonade flamande is a dish similar to beef bourguignon, but uses beer to braise the meat instead of wine. It is also served with fries. If you don't want fries on the side, have a mitrolette, which is a sandwich filled with meat and fries. 
sensing a tuberous theme. Yeah, is there any Belgium dish that isn't served with fries? Wow, we're getting... Contrary to their name, French fries originate from Belgium. The origin is that peasant villagers in the country fried fish... In the country fried fish often and when winter stormed in... What? Oh. <laughs> the or, it, it is not a, a Joe Pixpud miracle that I can read this. The origin is that peasant villagers in the country fried fish... Often, and when winter stormed in, froze the lakes, causing the people to look for alternative food to fry. Thus, frites were born. During World War I, U.S. soldiers found and ate the now American staple, but incorrectly identified their country of origin, and the new name stuck. Plain fries, too basic for you, have no fear, because the people of Belgium use ketchup and mayonnaise as their base for dipping, offering a variety of options, often mayonnaise-based, for dressing your fries. As there are more types of beer per capita in Belgium compared to the rest of the world, many native dishes use the elixir as a base in cooking and, of course, for drinking. And let's not get started on the monks that created many of the beers. If you need a sweet, waffles are a popular daytime snack, having been created in the country during the Middle Ages. Another naming snafu occurred as Belgium is home to two different types of waffles, the Brussels, what Americans know as the Belgian waffle, and Liege. A Brussels waffle is light and crisp with deep pockets to hold your toppings, whereas a liege waffle is made with a thicker batter producing a richer, chewier texture. Names aside, this little country has made some major contributions to the food and drink of the world. Give them a little credit, Joe. That's what she says. I, I she mean, french fries, beers, ch- beer, chocolate, and waffles. I mean, studio audience, can you think of a country that has more contribution to cuisine that's that small? Now, Joe, here's a question for you. Yeah. Israel. Israel. That's true. No. No. Come on. When you dip your French fries, <laughs> yeah. what is your preferred dipping sauce? Is it A, ketchup, B, ketchup mixed with mayonnaise, or C, something else? I mean, if I were to pick, if I were at a restaurant... I mean, usually it's just ketchup that's available, so you do ketchup. But if I had to, if I got to pick whatever I I could have to dip my fries in, I would pick either mayonnaise or ranch dressing. Ooh, because I'll tell you, I think it's a great. I I prefer fries dipped in mayonnaise more than ketchup, but I prefer mayonnaise and ketchup more than either of them alone. This is a question that I asked your sister just yesterday. What is your favorite type of French fry? Hmm. I can give you like a whole bunch of options, but like, okay, do you like the skinny fries? Do you like the fat deli fries? Do you like curly fries, waffle cut fries? I'll even throw in tater tots as a well, type of fry if we want. I, I might go off the board, but I'll say it, it would be a close competition between a really well-made sweet potato fry, which I sweet love. Sweet potato fry. If they're just crispy enough and they're salted right, they're so good, or a nice, big, thick curly fry. I mean, a curly fry is so good. I know. I know. Okay, studio audience, what's your answer? Uh, properly fried waffle fries. Waffle fry. Oh, yeah. those yeah. are good too. Those Whereas are we good call choice. those in the current era hashtag fries. Hashtag fries. Now, That's a name, actually. now, now, now. I mean, is there anything more perfectly Belgium though than the waffle fry? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean that's hitting all the bases, Joe. Yeah. I, I mean, so, as you've said, this country is, is knocking it out of the park. Chocolate waffle fry. Yeah. No, look. I mean, I have to say, for me. You can't – it's hard to do right, but when you find a place that does it right, a perfect curly fry, it's tough to beat. Curly fry is very good. Uh, I mean, this is, this is some solid food 
categories. We, we passed over the couponing a little bit, but I'm glad to hear that they have, have Groupon. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shock everyone, Dan. I'm going to go 10 out of 10 here. Wow. That's huge, Joe. That is huge. You had promised earlier that a country was going to get 10 out of 10. You had already given a 10 out of 10 to Mexico, seemingly out of left field. And Belgium, I don't think anybody expected. The, the prophecy could have been about them. But uh, maybe you're just getting more generous as the, as the podcast no, goes I on. Think, I think it's earned. Now, Dan, you brought this up, or, or you know, fan emeritus Emily brought it up. Does Joe Pick's podism have monks? I I think it can have anything. It can have whatever we want. If if there are, if somebody could should. be brewing beer, I mean, I think that's uh, definitely I'm all in on that. I think it should, but I think the Joe Picks Pod uh, monks should have to take whatever the opposite of a vow of silence is, a vow of non-silence. They should never shut up. Well, the vow of non-silence is just they have to record a podcast. <laughs> the- the worst punishment of all. And everybody all right. must listen to it, which is another punishment. It's a tough religion. All right. Category 11, Dan. Oh, category 11, Joe. Great. This is from superfan, fan emeritus, Tony PhD, the national anthem. The Belgium anthem, La Brabancone, has its, or Brabancone has its genesis when Belgium gained its independence in 1830. The popular legend goes that it was written by some young people in a cafe on Force Street in Brussels in September 1830. While the story may or may not be true, the anthem does date back to that time. In 1860, the anti-Dutch lyrics were softened, and the version that is in use today was created. The lyrics, patriotic sacrifices for the Tree of Liberty. Fun facts, the song has lyrics in Dutch, French, and German. In recent years, an unofficial short version of the anthem is sung during the Belgian National Day on July 21st, yearly, combining the words of the anthem in all three of Belgium's of official it does. languages. All right, let's give it a listen, Joe. À toi nos cœurs, à toi nos bras, à toi notre sang, ô patrie, nous le jurons tous, tu vivras, tu vivras, toujours dans tes peines et ton Oh, 
say that was pretty enjoyable dan okay i i thought it was uh there wasn't uh too much shifting or changing it seemed pretty you know little drum beat little tune a lot of words a little repetitive towards the end i mean i wonder if the shortened version is a little bit more palatable but i thought i thought it was good i thought it was entertaining i thought that it didn't it didn't sound super cliche it had like a little bit of the like um operatic structure of some of the other ones that we've liked you know i have to think are there any other we talked about canada no we didn't talk about canada um but i know that the canadian national anthem has french and english verses in it hmm because i was just this is what i thought uh, we talked about i was just at an event where they sang the canadian national anthem and it did go back and forth between english and french hmm but I wonder how many national anthems have multiple languages. Yeah, I guess it's weird because if you like only speak Dutch and you don't speak uh, French, then like all the French verses you probably just don't sing. But I have to imagine, like, given how other countries speak so many languages, that most people speak all the official languages. Don't you think? I don't think they speak all the official languages, especially German, which I think I- I'm sure a lot of people speak. Dutch and French, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that that only speak one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, I thought it was good. I I'm not gonna like. It's not super memorable, but I enjoyed it. 
I like the different languages. I'm going to say five out of ten. Five. Oof. Right in the middle. Ouch. Right down the middle. Ouch. No. No, not ouch. Not ouch. It's not a bad five. All right. Just a... Look. Fine five. You're just calling yeah. balls and right. strikes, Joe. As the, exactly. the great uh, prophet Bez said. <laughs> All right. Category 10. Category 10. All right. We don't do that anymore. Used to be rate the kit, but you would have given them a great score. You love the kit. Oh, they, they really suffered from not having this as a category. Yes. Okay. Category two. Category two. We also don't do that one anymore. That's formerly rate the group. Fantastic. They might look at, have look at us. suffered. I don't know if their group is Just so shuffling great. on through. Category seven. All right. There we go. Yes. There are only two categories left in play. Seven and nine. And nine will be my Job-like struggle as I have to read about the system of government head of state. But seven is going to be very exciting. We'll, we're bringing our guest in, apparently. This is atrocity. Oh, studio audience participant. Absolutely. Now, would you like Absolutely. me to read what Josh PhD has written first, or would you like to bring in our guest first? I'd like to hear from the guest first, actually, because, you know, I feel like, and maybe I'm just guessing here, I feel like this is a category where, where Josh, and I'm just guessing here, Josh might feel a little favorably about the country. But in fact, our, our studio guest here, formerly the studio audience, Zev, had some pretty strong opinions when I told him that we were talking about Belgium today. And I was like, wow, you got to share this with the podcast. So, okay, Zev, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Zev. All right, so Zev, we were talking earlier today, and you were like, oh man, Belgium is one of the worst countries on the history of the planet. Yeah, I hate them. You hate Belgium. You okay. So 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 I didn't think anybody hated Belgium. But you do. Yeah, I don't know. Have you been to Belgium? No. Have you been on a train through Belgium? No. Okay. Oh no, yeah, no. I haven't been through it. Okay, so tell me why do you hate Belgium? So Belgium has a sordid history. Uh as you talked about earlier, they're a small country, right? So they have a lot of uh, inadequacy issues clearly. And uh to compensate, one of the things that they did uh under the King Leopold II or third, something like that. Who you uh, said was a pedophile, by he, the way. Yeah, he was a pedophile. He was, okay. he was like agoraphobe. He was a very crazy person. He had a lot of issues. I mean, we don't hold being agoraphobic against people. No, yeah, no, 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 The no, pedophile no. is not Yeah, that's not a bad great. one. That not was great. a bad that's one. A bad that's one. a tenant he, of he, our religion. Yeah, he had, he had, a, he had a plethora of just a, of, of, of not, not signs of a healthy mind. Okay. Um, and so as a result of that, he came up with the concept of colonization as we know it the bad kind where you know coming in with soldiers and guns killing all the natives and taking re- native like resources and stuff that kind like not the not the like hey let's go to jamaica and set up some farms where with some forced labor there uh but more the the kill them all take their stuff and and keep on doing that thing so you know the whole you if you've ever wondered why, how can such a tiny country with no resources be so rich, that, that, yeah. that's why. It's that sweet Congo rubber you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Congo yeah. rubber and rare earth metals and, and, and good old-fashioned slaves. Yeah. yeah. They did a lot of it. None of which Joe Picks Podism condones. No. I mean, we're pro-rubber yeah. and latex. We just don't want to... In the right areas, like we like it on our car tires, but I don't think we necessarily cook with it. 
No, that's true. We could. True. We could. Yeah, we could. We could. Look, look, I, I would say we're generally pro-rubber, but we don't want stolen colonization murder. We don't want blood rubber. Yeah, we are definitely anti. Well, I think we're anti-blood anything, except for maybe blood donations that's and right. blood that's banks, right. which we're pro. That's right. Everyone should give blood. Yeah. That's the key here. Yeah. yeah. Except Save for, a life. Except for Hasidic Jews. Except for Hasidic Jews. Don't give blood if you're... What? It's against the religion. They don't... No, I think, I think you're yeah. confusing Hasidic Jews with Jehovah's Witnesses. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to, like, give... Like, you're not supposed to, like, take from your body and give to others. Like, your blood's supposed to stay inside of you. Well, yeah, but That's what if you get a cut? <laughs> well, wait. This is a moot point because Hasidic Jews, they would have to convert to Joe Pixpodism, at which point they wouldn't be Hasidic Jews anymore. We're an exclusive religion. Can they keep the payoff? We do have, we do have a Hasidic faction of Joe Pick's Potism. (laughs) Absolutely, very different. They run the diamond trade. (laughs) All right, but not blood diamonds. No, we don't condone that. No, no, no. All right, thank you, Zev. And I'm curious to see if our fan emeritus researcher, Mm -hmm. if his research. Now, I mean, this is someone who is who is a foremost historian. In many, many areas of history, including the foremost historian of our podcast. Definitely. Great, great writer. Dan and I are in the process, in in talks to record the audiobook for his new, his latest, uh, uh, what would you call it? His latest tome. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say we're in talks, but we're certainly talking about it. We're talking about it. Other people are talking about it. It's it's verbal wildfire. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So so that being said, Dan, what does fan emeritus Josh have to say about the uh, atrocities here? Well, on the similarity scale between zero and one hundred, how similar what I'm about to read do you think is going to be what Zev said? I think I think Josh is going to go easier on them. All right. Well, let's find out, Joe. Belgium. This might come as a surprise, but these guys are historically pretty bad. Wow. In the late 19th century, King Leopold II decided he wanted to get in on the colonialism-imperialism game, so he set up his own colony in Central Africa known as the Congo Free State. Leopold wanted to encourage rubber production as part of a commodity boom in the region, so he resorted to torture and mass killing to keep people working hard. Beyond direct killing, his policies promoted a great deal of starvation and disease, the population of the region decreased by roughly 3 to 10 million people between 1885 and 1908. Belgium hasn't really apologized, though the government did apologize for the later murder of Congolese independence leader Patrice Lumumba. Since then, they've been well-behaved, but they haven't lived all this down yet. He puts the atrocity level at Brendan Fraser in George of the Jungle. Ooh, that's hot. That's spicy. That's, that's spicy. That's bad. Uh, wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, look, that, that is now two, two sources on this. Um, not to say that I didn't believe Zev when he said it, but I was waiting for, for fan emeritus Josh confirmation. Cause obviously he is the official historian of the podcast, official historian of the religion too. I mean, if there were like, um, just like, like in Christianity, how there's different versions, there's like the, this apostle wrote one version of the Bible. This one wrote the other. We should just say now. Whatever version Josh writes is the official version. Absolutely. He's definitely the official historian. No question about it. But I'll tell you, Zav was right on. You know, every word I read is like my own form of punishment. 
towards my head, and I thought I could just, instead of reading what Josh said, just give the thumbs up that Josh approves everything that Zev had said. I mean, including the rubber mention, yeah. So, so this is so okay, Zev. On a on a zero to ten scale, knowing that zero is like the worst, like like, what did Serbia get? Let's see, Serbia got in some pretty bad Balkan genocide. They got a zero point five. They got a point five. So they got a point five. Even they got a half point. Saudi Arabia, you gave a zero, so they've got the lowest score. Saudi Arabia is a zero. Because they, okay, I think, actively Iran engage in slave labor currently. Yeah, they're like still, still, still have an economy based on slave labor. Iran was done in the mystery episode, so they did not receive an official score for this category. But it would have been bad. All right, so what do you think, what do you think Belgium should get here? Well, I think what's especially awful about what they did is they, they really kind of set the tone for how everybody else treated foreign nations. Uh, in the third world after that, like the American foreign policy was pretty much based off of what happened there uh, in, in South America. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a straight up zero if, if that's the worst. I mean, they, they, they really did some bad stuff. That's a lot. A straight up zero from Zev. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with, especially because I think that Leopold is still on money. I think he's like a pretty like well-regarded figure within Belgia. Belgio. Yeah. Belgia. Uh <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give Should've it been listening to Homeland Handbook, Joe. Then you would know the I'm name gonna, of the country. <laughs> I'm going to give it a half point. All right. Half half out of 10. Classic uh Leopold uh apologist. Apologism. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right, so that that's it, Dan, category 9. All right, one category left. My my trials are almost complete. But let's learn about the system of government head of state from Fans Emeritus, Bez and Ryan. Unfortunately, Bez, not his own head of state, but maybe an aspiring one, will will be eventually. I, that's a guarantee, Joe. Can we ask Bez, would he like us to revoke whatever score I gave to England's system of government and move it down to a zero for not electing him? Because frankly, uh, I'm pissed about it. Yeah, you gave them a seven. I mean... It, it sort of is fan culture, though, because it's sort of like the people of England you're hating, not necessarily the system of government. All right, Bez, just, just write in or post on the Reddit, should I change the England score f- to a zero in those two categories? I'm happy to. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. Wow. Well, you don't want, control the spreadsheet, so you can't do it. I will tell you to do it right now, but I want to hear from Bez first. I'm the, okay. I'm the, Dan, I'm the official... Uh, historian scorekeeper that's right well i guess josh is a historian i'm the yeah i'm the scorekeeper for such a small country belgium has been a major european battleground over the centuries occupied by germany during the first and second world wars it has experienced an economic boom in the past 50 years to become a model western european liberal democracy however there has been a growing divide between the mainly dutch-speaking north and the mainly french-speaking south as well as concern about the growth of Islamic extremism among immigrant communities in the capital, Brussels. Brussels is the headquarters of the European Union and the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a.k.a. NATO, making it the polyglot, one of his favorite words, home of an army of international diplomats and civil servants. The politics of Belgium take place in a framework of a federal, representative, democratic, constitutional monarchy, whereby the king of Belgium is the head of state and the prime minister of Belgium is the head of government. 
But do they have a Senate, Dan? Legislative power is vested in both the government and the two chambers of parliament, the Chamber of Representatives and the Senate. Yes! Following elections, reform movement leader Charles Michel formed a right-wing coalition in October 2014, becoming at 38 the country's youngest prime minister since 1841. His literal... (laughs) His liberal party comes from the French-speaking community, but the other three parties in the coalition represent Flemish speakers, including the nationalist New Flemish Alliance, which came first in the elections. King Philippe succeeded to the throne in July 2013 on the abdication of his father, the 79-year-old Albert II, who stepped down on health grounds. Respect for the monarchy is one of the few factors that crosses the communal divide in Belgium, and King Albert exercised his constitutional authority in advising political leaders on the formation of a government during the 2010-2011 parliamentary stalemate. Recently, Brussels and Belgian politics at large have been shaken by a corruption scandal. Last month, news broke that then-Brussels Mayor Yvan Mayor, oh my god, the mayor is named... Wait, 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 wait. His last name is Mayor? I think it's just pronounced Mayor Yvan Mayor. Mayor or something like that. M A Y E U R. I mean that person was Maybe it's like maybe it's like how um how like people whose like last name is Smith means that their ancestors were blacksmiths or like you know that like it's a trade, so maybe that's just his family business. Yeah. Like, oh, there's the mayor family, they're always the mayor. I mean, if they were have this corruption scandal, I mean, that's exactly what they what they expect. Like they're born to be the mayor and then they're like they grift a little on the side, like whatever. I'm the mayor. Yeah. I'm the mayor mayor. Look, have you seen my last name? And a political ally, uh, the mayor, Yvonne Mayer, and a political ally had collected about 112,000 euros since 2008 for meetings that never took place. The meetings were supposed to be for... They should have have known when his colleague's name was John Bribery. (laughs) 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 That one got a chuckle from the studio audience. The meetings were supposed to be for an agency caring for the homeless. In other words, they were diverting funds for the homeless into their own pockets. The mayor was forced to resign. This was not the first such scandal. The French-speaking Socialist Party has been an all-powerful, had been all-powerful for decades in French-speaking Belgium and Brussels, or has been, I guess still is. Members have been repeatedly caught siphoning off public funds. And let's learn a little bit more about this. Uh, their- I mean, stealing money from a homeless charity is pretty bad. It's pretty low. Like that's, that's up there on like, on like bad karma things to do. But Joe, I mean, let's be honest. Let's just say that is, that is also frowned upon in Joe Pig's pot. The homeless would have just blown it on cigarettes and alcohol. Am I right? That's, I mean, absolutely. You're just stealing the cigarettes and alcohol from the homeless. It's terrible. That is the official stance of this podcast. My flippant and horribly insensitive comments. Okay, Belgium, the head of state, or I, I don't know what this person is. The, the, the monarch, so the head of, uh, uh, yeah, head of state. King Philippe, he ascended the throne July 2013. Why you might like him, Joe? He's Europe's second youngest reigning monarch at age 55. He has the same birthday as a favorite actress of yours, Joe, Emma Watson. He is 108th in line for the British throne. Lucky 108. Why, I might not like him. He got his degree in political science from Stanford. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's Dan. Dan's a classic Stanford hater. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent to Stanford, to be honest with you. But, you know, whatever. Fuck them, though. I don't like their their mascot, the tree. Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. 
I totally agree with that. Lame ass tree. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know what? You know what? Uh, I think I don't like the corruption. Obviously, I do like the idea of naming your politicians after the job that they have. Hmm. That very much appeals to me. You know, uh, that is a thing that I always notice when you uh, a a figure goes on a TV show like Rudy Giuliani, and they are like, "Oh." Mr. Mayor. And, like, Jesse the Body Ventura goes on a TV show, and they're like, oh, Mr. Governor. And it's like, he was governor, like, 25 years ago. Stop calling him governor. He's just, like, a person who used to be the governor, but it seems like they always take the title of what the person was and, like, call them by it. Anyways. And, like, and like their highest title, too, right? Like, always the highest. Like, one. yeah. Yeah, like, like, let's say that, like, well, like, I mean, Taft, right? Taft was president, and then he was a Supreme Court justice. So was he Justice Taft, or was he still Mr. President? There may be the honorable Mr. President. Maybe maybe Justice President. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe while he was holding the office, they called him Justice. And then after, he goes back to President. Then he's just, then he's just whatever the highest office is? Right. It's got to be, right? Right. Yeah. But ultimately, as he, after the, the role's over, he's still Mr. President. Let me ask you this, Dan. When in, what can I do in my life to ascend to something? Well, I think your first, your, your Even biggest like like option. Even a promotion at work or whatever. No one's like, oh, Joe ascended to that job. No, you, you, your, your big option was to marry into some sort of uh, royalty or something. Even okay, even if it's obscure, you could have still ascended into some like duke or duchessness. Of, yeah, sure. I yes. guess you're right. It yeah. would be a dukedom. I would not be a duchessness. No. Yeah. Yeah. God save the duke. As I mean, as gender's everybody not knows, binary, so sure. the, the song yeah. does shift depending on whether it is a duke or duchess holding the particular seat. But yeah, I that so you miss that option. That's out. So I guess. You could try. I mean, this is a little, it's a little wacky. But when I was in Spain, they were into that big Catalan movement. I feel like using your last name Mizrahi, you go to Spain, get your Spanish citizenship, and then become one of the really strong proponents. Get yourself involved in this independence movement. If the independent movement succeeds, sort of muscle your way in and say, "Hey, since we're creating a country, why don't we create?" Uh, you know. I don't know what the uh, a duke dumb or whatever is called in Spain, but just be like, hey, let's just invent one of those, and you know, I, I could I could ascend that, you know, if, if that yeah, was a good acceptable. idea. Actually, like I wonder, like I mean, like dukedoms aren't necessarily like it depends on the country, but they're not defined and they're not finite things. So, like, you know how, like, you know, when I performed a wedding ceremony, I became a. Um, a like minister of like the church of peace or whatever. Right. And you just go online, you pay $20. Why doesn't like Moldovia just sell dukedoms? Yeah. I mean, maybe they do. (laughs) I mean, someone should be selling like $20 dukedoms online. So then I can ascend to a Duke dukedom of, of Moldovia or whatever. And then, you know, and yeah, they get a little, little side money on that. Wait, Joe, why don't we sell dukedoms to the great Joe picks podism? Let's just, let's, Every aspect well, of this no, religion is like, for sale. That would be like you—you you are selling um, 
cardinal positions, bishop positions. Um, Let's sell it all, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we do need to fill out our bishops. If so somebody sure. wants it, it's for sale. All right, Dan. I would say this system of government is pretty good, pretty solid. Nothing, nothing super special. I do like a good constitutional monarchy, though, Dan. You know that. You know that. And you love a good Senate, Joe. Love a good Senate. You're a big Senate stan. Uh, don't like the corruption. Six and a half out of ten. Six and a half. Corruption bad. Senate good. Uh, and it seems monarchy good. Named after the positions, named after the people. Good. Also, the the Emma Watson shared birthday. People are people are stretching really hard to appeal to my uh, <laughs> to my weird taste in movie. But okay, okay. I'll take well, it. look, Jean Claude Van Damme was, was a real hit with you. So go watch Time Cop, people. I'm but you. the rapper whose name I forget was not. But hey, my work is done, Joe. I do not have to read anything else. This is. Very happy for for my brain. Uh, All that's left, Joe, is the drink. What? Look, Duval is a really good drink. Uh, I think Belgian beer, sort of writ large, is pretty good beer. Uh, Unfortunately, our studio audience couldn't have any because he's gluten-free and beer is really just a glass of gluten. Mm. Uh, uh, But Zabrowka, I mean, no gluten in that. You rate the Zabrowka pretty high, though, right, Zev? 8.9. Yeah, 8.9. Okay, so look, I'm going to say Belgian beer as a whole, including Duval, which is very good, 7 out of 10. 7. Ooh, the standard standard score. So, Joe, they total 58.5, which puts their average at 6.5. 6.5. And... Is there anybody in the sixes you said no to? The answer to that confusing double negative is no. So every other country that has been in the sixes has been passed through. Uh, it's, it's the sort of gray zone is in the, the mid fives, like five and a half yeah. to 5.7. You've given some no's, but every team in the sixes is uh, you've passed through. So, you know, they were bad in the atrocities, but they're solid in everything else. Dan, you there? Yes. My sound stopped for a second. Okay. Uh, here, I have to edit that out. But let me just say. Uh, I'm not editing it out, Joe. You got to edit it out. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what you said, but I don't think that I've ever not put through a team that averaged in the sixes. Um, I'm just kidding. I heard you say that part. But look. Yeah. Belgium's going through. They deserve to go through. All right. They're a great team. Uh, and, and I'm excited to talk to Talk about them again. All right. But I have a poll. Dan, I have a poll question for us. All right. Well, what, what do you got? All right. I want to know what the people think. Favorite type of French fry. Ah. And I'm going to put out there. Okay. So here's what I want in the poll. Curly. Okay. Waffle cut. Ooh, yeah. Sweet potato. Ooh, yeah. Regular. Mm. Thick deli cut. <laughs> That's normally for meat. No, you know what I'm talking about, like the big, I would like just, the big. Just fatties. call them thick cut, not deli cut. Thick cut. Okay. Steak fries. steak fries. Zeb says. All right, I'm just putting thick cut, and then what else? I think that's it, right? That's all we're gonna have. The shoestring too, but 
shoestring. I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's like really thin cut. Those are good. Yeah. All right, put shoestring on there. Yeah, but that's that's not going to get any votes. I mean, but that's fine. Okay, so there you go. That's the poll question. I love it. All right. So, Dan, who we have up next? So our next two, so our final, I mean, this is it. We only have four teams left. So our final two, I mean, I'm just doing this by process elimination in my head. Because even as scorekeeper, I should have this written down, but I don't. Uh, If our last week we're doing Germany and Japan, that means next week by process of elimination. Oh, no, no, no. In our last week, we're doing Egypt and Germany. That's right. You want to close with Egypt. So that means by process of elimination, next week we are doing the other potential dark horse mentioned on the BS podcast, Colombia, our final South American team. And Joe, go back to everybody's favorite football confederation, the AFC. This is definitely the AFC East, as my mom called it, the AFC Far East, (laughs) Japan. So Japan and Colombia coming up. I mean, how exciting. Could not not be better. Two contenders, maybe. At least one contender. We're like three weeks away from the World Cup. Yeah, Plenty of time left to finish this up. Yeah, I was earlier talking in a part that I will have to edit out, as you have been interrupted many times in this podcast, which, uh, well, some places will be more seamlessly edited out than others. But uh, when I was talking to my sister about how much stuff you had to do over the next month to prepare for your trip, uh, that you're famously going to a World Cup country, and, and presumably once that country comes up, we will talk about it. But I said, well, in addition to all this stuff that you have to do, you also we also have to finish this entire podcast series. And she remarked, oh, well, Joe's bitten off more than he can chew. This It's not going to happen. So, Joe, it's not only it, – it, it seems like, based on what she said, it is going to take a Joe Pixpodian-style miracle for this podcast actually to finish. It's going to happen, Dan. And it must. Do it. I mean, it will be. Amazing. It's it not like the NFL. If the podcast does not finish, there's no point. No, no, exactly. it will, this will We're all have been for naught. We're going to finish. Dan, this has been amazing. Belgium's amazing. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad we didn't do this as a doubleheader. I'm glad we didn't do this when I was tired at 2 in the morning. This has been perfect. I'm glad that Zev was right on with his atrocities. I mean, Ugh, great research from Josh, too. Now, Joe, based on the schedule that you originally made, which I can see it's another uh, original work of the uh, the Joe Picks Pod religion. I'm just, I get it. It is scrawled on the floor in my shop, in my podcast studio. Okay. I believe based on the schedule I'm looking at right here. We're, yeah, we're a week behind. We... <laughs> are supposed to do Colombia and Japan on May 25th, that was last which was yesterday. And we are doing Egypt and Germany on May 31st. So we... To so revise schedule, we are behind. We're going to do, do Colombia, Japan, probably like on the 30th or 31st. Okay. It's a week from now. Have that's to when do... Tony will be in town. So that's going to be very right. awkward. Great. He can help us with one of those episodes. We're going to do our finale, our regular season finale on probably the 4th or the 5th. And then we have that last weekend. And that's it. So we're just going to do – it's not going to be like before. We have multiple episodes. We're just going to cut down 
16 or whatever the number is to one in one giant episode. I think we're going to do two episodes. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. Wow. I mean, there's no later to talk. This is like... I mean, yeah, right. we're going to do two episodes that weekend. Fine. We're going to do, you do think two about that. that you you better be ready next week or in right. two weeks to. I mean, on two weeks the World Cup starts. So, all right, I, I'm ready. All right, Dan, this has been great. Should I we preserve this this, this uh, Please, piece of it's, work? It's, it's like it's like the Shroud of Turin. People are going yeah. are, are going to worship it for years. Absolutely, I'll tell you, there are some smudges on here already that are developing the holy smudges. That's right. If they, if they find my face in a tortilla in South America. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Good night. See you, Joe.